Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We just finished uh, recently our 40-day of preparation. In that 40 days of preparation, uh, some of you pressed in and made it all the way through those 40 days, not saying perfectly, but you made it through. And we all know that statistically, when it comes down to it, uh, the flesh is the flesh and only 8% make it through every resolution year. And what's interesting is, is when you uh, look at the statistics of people in the area of resolutions and failure, you notice again that this number never changes. It's the same. It's, it's only a few percentage of people make it through in what everybody is wanting. Isn't that interesting? Everybody is wanting with their whole heart to have change. And then when it comes down to it, only a few of those percentage of people get the change. And I look at that and I think, isn't that amazing that every year, it's not a new resolution, it's the same one over and over again. And at the end of the year, moving into the new year, people are looking at the new year going, I'm going to change, I'm, I want change, I'm going to do this, I'm going to fulfill this. And then again, 92% give up. The majority of everybody's done by February. Now, I know that sounds rough as far as when you're looking at the human nature, but it's the same in the faith. It's the same here in the sense that we are going through the process of what everybody goes through. And instead of finding the answers to make it through what our heart's desire is, we want change. We want to have better. We want to have things in our life that will not produce sickness or disease, but health. We want to do things in our life that'll give us a stronger walk with our Jesus. We want to be able to have the ability to have a strong uh, life that's not led just emotional or led by just, you know, whatever happens, we're now uh, uh, manipulated by what the world's producing or what people are going through. And now we're going through the same thing. And we, want, we don't want that. We want to be strong. We want to be people in control of our lives. And so the, the attitude is, is this what we want? But when it comes down to it, we don't do it. And I, I find that so disheartening because I know what God wants. That's what's turned my life around is because I've come to believe his word about me. And I had to get beyond my belief of me and get to his belief in me. And until that happens, you really will sabotage your ability for change. It, it's not like you go into, the, into something with the attitude of, well, I'll give it a try. I'm going to quit anyway. Nobody does that. You really are going, I'm going to do this. But all of a sudden, you get off track. You get off the road. You lose direction, and what happens? You quit. You know what my job is? 
today and actually forever is to get you to the place where you never quit. That's it. Get you to that place. I didn't say never fail. I didn't say never make a mistake. Never quit. If I can get you to the place of never quitting, you're going to become a winner. Everybody in here, you will win in life. And whatever the things you're dealing with right now, you will win. Because winners won't quit. They'll fail. They'll make mistakes. They'll stumble. They'll trip up. They'll throw a fit. But ultimately, they'll get going. All right? And that's what I want us all to really convince ourselves. Because, you know, again, we went through the beginning of this with three things we want to accomplish. To spend more time with God, to take control of our emotional realm, emotional area of our lives where we speak positive and not negative over our lives. And we eat right. We give her to the things that are causing the things we don't want to happen in our lives. So we eliminate the bad and bring in that good. And it's amazing how people, just in general, it's the way we are, is we look at everything in a short-term picture. We'll say, okay, I'll do this for 21 days, 30 days, 40 days. And it's like, but once I'm done with this thing, then I go back to what I liked Though I want change and I want everything to be different and I want to be healthy and I want to be strong, I'm going to go right back to what doesn't work. And I say enough's enough, don't you? Oh man, you don't even sell me on that. You should have been, all of you in here should have said, yeah, right, Pastor, that's what we want. But you're, it's like you already lost, you're already like, oh, I quit, I quit. So what we have to do is we have to, well, the title is stay on track or get back on it. Staying on track or getting back on it. How many ever use the GPS while you're driving or somewhere you've never been before? How many have following that thing made a wrong turn or you, you just, you might've turned into a store and what does the GPS scream at you? Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. There are times when you know, because you had to pull in and go to Walmart to get the food for the camping trip. But it's still going to tell you to recalculate. Why? Because you went off track. You're off the direction of where you said you wanted to go. But that was a purposeful change. But then there are times when you make the wrong turn. You thought this was this way, but it actually was that way. And you went that way and it tells you, recalculate, recalculate. Make the nearest you turn. And it'll tell you what? To get back on track. To get back on track. And so what I want to be able to be is your personal GPS. I want to recalculate your life's journey if you're off track. If you're on track, I want to be a cheerleader and say, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. But we're going to make sure that we recognize that our desire is not to be a statistic. Right? I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be the norm of what happens in everybody's life. I'm going to press in. 
When you pay attention to scripture, when you pay attention to the New Testament and how it's written and the way it's written, you will find out very quickly by the understanding of this is that this life isn't a life just to exist in. You literally have to be conscious of what you're doing. You, you have to have a mindset that says, I'm going to fight and I'm going to win. Any other living as a believer is failure. You will quit because your life will be consistent to stopping to the point of a win. Why? Because it's what we do. And that's the t- statistics. But what we're going to do is we're going to press in. And we're going to recognize our responsibility to do this. I'm going to help us all. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help me. And we're going to be able to what? We're going to be able to recalculate or stay on track and finish this race that God has placed before us. Y'all with me this morning? All right. So I'm going to, we're going to understand this first and foremost, six reasons why people don't change. This is six reasons why. These are the main reasons why people don't change. They just don't want to, is the first one. They don't want to change. And I can understand that because people get to a place in their lives to where they've had so much failure to where it's, there's no hope now. So why should I? Some people even say this way God made me. You know, the little religious cliches that aren't Bible that people do all the time. How about this one? God's in control. Now, I know someone get mad because you probably have that bumper sticker, right? All right. That is not scriptural, by the way, just so you know that. So, listen, I'm not here to upset you. If I step on your toes, it wasn't intentional to step on them, but it's intentional for you to wake up to religious words that don't mean anything. God is control is saying God's, I can blame God for everything that happens. You know, the Bible doesn't say that God's in control. He controls heaven. But he says in Psalms that man is in control of the world. But people don't, people don't want to look at scripture. They want the religious cliches. So they don't want to. They accept life the way it is, and they see no reason to change. Um, the reason why is, again, the, const, the, the constant repeated failure, which builds low self-esteem. And when you have low self-esteem, you just accept whatever comes your way. You don't expect better. You just accept whatever comes your way. Now, I'm not being Christianese in here. I'm being life. Everything I'm talking about right now has to do with your life, has to do with your jobs, has to do with your marriage, your families, uh, raising kids. This is life, period. And so I need you to really focus in on the understanding of what I'm saying. Because when you get up Monday, this has to work for you. And I believe without a doubt, I have no doubt that this information will help you in your daily life. Otherwise, I wouldn't even be talking about it or I wouldn't even be here. But it does work. The second thing is people quit after a few stumbles. People quit after a few stumbles. 
You know, there's in, in our lives in general, throughout the world, nobody perfects anything the first try. It's impossible. There's no such thing. You guys hear me? There's no such thing. Nobody, nobody. Learning to walk, nobody, no child on this planet, the parent says, okay, you're going to start walking now. And the child goes, okay. Riding a bike. I don't care who you are. You don't get on the bike and start doing wheelies and riding the bike. No, you, you, it, everything that you are trying the first time, there's stumbling, there's falling, there's, there's the issues that, that we look at as failure, but they're actually not. It's who said you would be, you know, what, it, it's like a real simple way to say it is this, is for so many years, I've counseled people in marriages. And in that counseling, they would come to me and literally communicate to me that their marriage should be perfect. And how they communicate, that's what they're trying to tell me. And what I tell them is, is how many years of marriage school did you go to before you said I do? And none of them ever have answered, oh, I've went four years. No, they, they just sit there silently. How many years have you, you, you've studied and learned and been taught about relationships and, and no one says a thing? I said, so now you and your marriage expect to be operating at that level. I said, it's crazy. And what happens is I pop this bubble of fantasy land, get them down to earth and they start realizing, wait a minute, I need to start doing stuff. I need to start change. I need to start fixing. Whatever the case may be, it comes to the place of, no, I don't deserve it because I haven't went through this process of training and learning. Your training and learning is from your parents where most of the people are going, I'll never be like them. And you're copycats of them. Even though you desire, you, you passionately don't want to, you will. You're going to abide by whoever's training you received unless you change. And that's the only way you're going to change who you are. You have to make that change. Amen? So people quit after a few stumbles, and it's, it's, it, that's what people do. They lose common sense, and they put on failure mode. Well, I stumbled. I might as well quit. Guarantee you, in the 40 days, a few people didn't make it. Maybe they slept in late. Maybe they, you know, ate the cookies, whatever. And they just stopped. They quit. That is normal. That's, do you guys understand that? That's normal human nature. I'm not trying to say you're evil or bad. I'm saying you're normal. But we're not supposed to be normal. Amen? We're not supposed to be normal. We're supposed to have the ability to, if you eat the cookie, get back up and move forward. But there's more into that too, and I'll get to that, okay? The third thing is fear. People stop because of fear. The unknown stops people. The unknown stops people. Listen, fear attacks faith. Faith is a confident expectation. 
Faith is that view of something you're expecting and you're, and you're desiring to take place and you have a belief for it. Fear will rob you of that. So you can start off with, you know, your whole plan of I'm going to be better year. But once you get into that, fear is going to attack you. And the Bible's clear on fear. Fear always involves torment. Always involves torment. That's 1 John 4.18. Fear equals torment. The fourth thing, bad environment. People don't queue up to this. Bad environment. It's like, I want to stop drinking. And everybody that you're living with drinks. I'm going to stop smoking. Everybody around you smokes. I want to, I want to you know, fix how I eat. And everybody, the way they buy groceries has nothing to do with healthy eating. Little Debbie's and things like that, but not healthy eating. Do you see what I'm saying? So the atmosphere is more conducive to failure than success. Now, I'm not saying if, you know, you're, if you're young and you live with your parents and, and they eat all nasty, you just leave. That don't work. Because you're going to end up eating worse than them because you don't got a job. But anyway, that's a whole different story. Well, what I'm saying, though, is, is that teamwork makes the dream work. So if you're wanting change, you have to pay attention to atmosphere. Sometimes you can't do anything about it. So you have to be really strong to be able to turn down the things that are affecting you in a negative. I, I, listen, the Bible says bad company corrupts. It doesn't, bad company is not just you're around someone that's not as good as you. Bad company is someone that is in a, a negative state but has influence over you. In other words, that's tied to you 100%. You determine the relationship and the level of influence of that relationship. Everybody in here does. You have certain people that can take you to a certain level because you've allowed it. People think, well, then... It would be easier for me to be able to control my life. No, some people allow people that shouldn't have control over you, control over you. That's all, that's again, a, a self-esteem picture. You don't know who you are yet or who you, who you belong to. That's one of the major messages that I want our teens to get hold of above and beyond anything else. Until they start seeing themselves as royalty, as special, as important, as valuable, they will cheapen themselves, and you all know what I'm talking about. And until they see themselves as priceless, and until, they, and until you see yourself as priceless, you accept whatever comes your way because you believe you deserve it. The fact. The easiest way to help you in understanding your value is to look at the cross. It's the only way. And what he did, what Jesus did on the cross was for you. That's your value. So don't tell me you're not valuable. Don't tell me you're not valuable. And if you parents or family, friends, don't get people focused on that, you're missing a good analogy and history lesson of what value is. Get them to recognize the importance of who they are. I'm, but if they don't, anybody will be able to 
shortchange them in life. Okay. Habit. The fifth reason. Now, these aren't in order of, you know, what important to less important. Habits ingrained in your subconscious. So people, some people quit after two weeks. Some people quit after a couple days. Some people quit after a month. But it's because it's a habit that they've created in their life. They have, they have the, that function of some subconscious that ultimately will trigger and they'll quit. Remember, God said that we're new creations. 2 Corinthians, I believe it's 5.12. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. So I'm not created the same way as I was trained on this earth. I now have a new life built in me on receiving Jesus. The problem is I still have the same soul, this mind, this will. So though I've been created new, I still have a mind that reacts in the old way. So I have to change that process, Romans 12 too, renewing the mind brings transformation, brings the change. The, the Greek metamorpho is the metamorphosis of new information, taking out old information, and the process of caterpillar to butterfly. It doesn't happen overnight, but is it a process that happens? The transformation, the new creation, you're not seen the same way. You hear what I'm saying? A caterpillar does not look like a butterfly at all. Now think about this because think about when you received Jesus and the process of change started taking place in your life just because you were choosing, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure I don't say this way or talk this way. And a lot of it was just by force of will, which, you know, hey, nice for you. But if you want it to last, it's got to go beyond force of will. Because I've seen a lot of people force of will go back to what they used to do. And the reason why is they don't have a seasoned life of that, in, that empowered life of the journey of success. But hey, you know, whatever you need to do, that's, that's good. And by doing that, what happens? People start looking at you and what do they say? You're different. You're acting different. Anybody, you hear this from anybody? I led most my family, grandpas, grandmas, aunts, uncles. When I got saved and got going in this, this walk, I led them, most every one of them to Jesus. And the reason why is they saw something different. And not that I was not this crazy wild man. I wanted some like evil, you know, drug addict, pimp. I was, I, it was, it was a transition that happened in here that they saw. Do you hear what I'm saying? And because of that, their eyes and their heart were open to hear. And they all received Jesus. It was the most amazing thing. But that's because I changed habit. Changed habit. This is... 
the habit action. Number one, there's a trigger. So the trigger initiates the need to whatever it is, indulge in whatever that sin, whatever that, you know, chocolate, whatever that lack of exercise, there's that trigger. There's a trigger that takes place first. It can be a fight. It could be boredom. Are you guys hearing me? I'm talking about anything that you do, a habit that you can't stand, whatever that addiction is. It could be whatever. It can be uh, tied to food, um, alcohol, drugs, pornography. Doesn't matter. If it's an addiction and it's got control of your life, there's a trigger point. Nobody, unless you're totally outside of the faith and you, you just living like an animal out in the world, you don't care. But once you have a transformation here, once change starts taking place, you start seeing things that aren't good. I don't want to do this. Though you might do it over and over and over again. You don't want to. Are you guys listening? What happens? First thing is a trigger. Once you understand that, you pay more attention to that area of battle, warfare in your life. But there will be a trigger. How do, you, how do you fix that? You've got to pay attention. What causes this trigger moment? What is it? Is it, you know, is it a fight angry? Is it boredom? It, what is it? And it triggers it. Most people are so deep into habit that they have this simplified trigger moments. I, I know because of my home I grew up in, my mom had specific trigger moments that she smoked. So she'd be good. Once she ate, she'd smoke. Trigger moment, trigger moment, trigger moment. There was never a time where that didn't happen. Why? Because it's a created habit and that trigger is going to be there. Are you guys listening? All right. So these things have triggers. The second thing is action. That's when you give in to the trigger. Good or bad, action follows the trigger, okay? So it can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing, but you're going to have action. Everybody say action. Okay, so you got the trigger, and then you got the act of what you don't want to happen. Now, let me also share with you that in habits, very deceptive, After the habit, nobody feels the same as before the habit, right? Nobody. After the habit is guilt, condemnation, everything that is, I don't want to be this. Before the habit, you don't feel that. You might think it, but you don't feel it. Am I talking to anybody? Because this is really good. All right. So what happens is this is the deception. I'm trying to help you. This is how the deception works. What now takes place is you have trigger. Trigger now has the, you have the option of stopping the action or going forward the action. I know just because of all the people I've talked to on this stuff, personal experience, but all the people that I've dealt with with these different things that, that they, want, they want freedom from, this is the process I, I, I explained to them 
how to win and how to overcome. Because the trigger's gonna come. It's the action that has to be stopped. It would be, you gotta thwart the action. But what we don't have is we don't have the misery after the fact. You guys got this? It's not there. You ever wonder what in the world's going on? I, this is something I asked God years, years and years ago. Just to be able to help because I'm sitting there seeing, the, you see this pattern, this pattern. And I'm thinking, why? Can't, I mean, wouldn't it just be better if we as believers could feel miserable at the trigger? I mean, I'm thinking, gosh, wouldn't that be awesome? God, give, make me miserable, God. I mean, honestly, I'm not kidding you. I'm trying to help, but that's what I was looking. I'm thinking, because after whatever it is you're trying to defeat and you fall and get into, the end result is you never feel good. It's not like, oh, I'm victorious. You don't feel good at all. And some of you, you get to a place where you just black it out because you already know how miserable. Now think. Think about being triggered and all of a sudden feeling that same thing. You probably ain't going to act on it, are you? Well, it don't work that way. I'm, just, I'm not trying to build up hope in there because it just doesn't happen. You know why? This is how God answered. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin is temporary. This pleasure is temporary for this period of time. So you're triggered, but also your brain, uh-oh, now we're getting into science. Your brain actually understands and recognizes what's about to happen. Because sugar, drugs, I don't care what you're addicted to, it releases chemicals in your brain. So your brain, your, your natural body, your brain is sitting there going, you're fighting, I don't want to, but already your brain's going, no, we like this. So deceptive, so, so deceptive. Because does it continue on? Never, 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 never. Are you guys hearing? So once we understand this, we can get, empowered to overcome. The third thing of the habit is reward. Once you give in to it, your brain goes, okay, release, release. Doesn't that feel good? Release. Just like people. You, I mean, a lot of people went 40 days and now they're like straight to, you know, cocoa puffs and getting that sugar and, and their, their body's going, oh man, thank you so much. Right back into sugar habit, right back into it. Now, I don't, I don't think you realize, but sugar and cocaine have the same reaction in the brain. See, I could have saved you a lot of money. Anyway, it's, it's true. Release the same thing. So what are we seeing? We're seeing this picture that, that is revealing something to me. Now, how do I get victory over that? That's where I want to get to is how do I get victory? All right. Did I say six? I'm at five. All right. So I finished five. Right. So we got to recalculate life. 
Amen? To recalculate life, it requires, now people, this is where it gets touchy, acceptance of correction. Now, I don't know what it is in Christians, but they have such a difficult time of correction. And anywhere else out in the world, they don't have a problem with it. They understand the principles of what correction produces. But once they come into church, it's like, I don't don't you tell me what, don't talk to me that way. I'm not correct me. Don't. And it's so anti, not a tiny bit of the Bible, the full scripture is all about correction. So this Bible, which is a GPS, is trying to help us get back on track. But people, it's, listen, you hear me say this all the time, but you know what this comes down to all the time? Self-image. All the time. And when you have a low self-esteem, a correction, you perceive it as an attack, which again demolishes your self-image. You're doing it, not truth, not correction. You do it to yourself. That's why we want people to grow and mature in the image of Jesus. Get the understanding of what happens to the new creation. And by the way, we're, we are getting all our uh, teachings and instruction on all this stuff and it will go live in March, where you'll be able to get online and be able to listen to teaching on new creation and listen to all the different teachings that'll help you. And this will be good for new people, new believers, and people who have been saved for a long time. Because there are times when you need to get back to the basics. Get back to the basics. Amen? Get back to the basics. So in March... It will be released and we'll have all these different classes, these different courses. I promise you, they're going to help you, help you in a major way. And, and that's what we want. We want help. Amen. I want a lot of help. We want it. And it's a good thing. So we have to accept correction. Let me, let me give you some uh, scriptures on this. Proverbs 10, 17. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life. He who keeps instruction is you're zoned in, in the way of life. This is what the Bible says. You keep instruction, you protect it, you watch over it, you guard it. It keeps you in the zone of life. But he who refuses correction goes astray. You get off track. The Bible says when you are focused in on, now knowledge is interchangeable with correction. Why? Because the Bible says that the word of God corrects and it's filled with knowledge, right? It instructs. The, the correction is never, ever, ever. If I'm communicating the word, I'm communicating information from this and it's stepping on your toes, it's, it's pricking a nerve in your life. It's just because it's sharing with you things that you need to fix or change. We don't, listen, gosh, people, no one's in here going, hey, that's me, pastor. No one knows. But isn't it amazing how you, are, are, you start assuming and getting so angry and mad, and no one knows that it's talking to you. 
You need to listen to yourself and tell yourself, shut up. Stop this nonsense. You need to be able to receive. This is a good, good message. And by doing that, you can have change. Are you guys listening? All right. Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But the person who hates correction, and this the Hebrew, this is in pastor, is stupid. Now, I don't believe there's anyone in here that wants to be called stupid. Right? No one. No one wants to be called stupid, a moron, an idiot. Those are all Hebrew terms for what I'm saying. As far as you looking translation to English, that's each one of those. So who are these people? The ones that do not want correction. I know you guys know people like that, right? I'm telling you from the Bible, do not call them stupid. Because that's what we don't do. We're not going to do that. They can read it for themselves, but don't be going around going, you idiot. What a moron. No, don't do that, okay? Y'all got that? So I read this. I didn't say this at you. I read it. Whoever hates correction is an idiot. Okay, let's move on. Proverbs 13, 8. Y'all acting like I called you an idiot. What, do you hate correction? Don't hate correction. You bunch of, no, I'm just kidding. Proverbs 13, 8. Poverty and shame will come upon all those who don't want correction. You know what? I just picked a few. The Bible's filled with a negative comment concerning people who will not be corrected. You know, it's funny as adults blow this off, but if they have kids, they expect it. But once they become adults, it's like going, don't you dare correct. Don't you tell, I don't want to correct. What changed? One word, religion, in your life. Because if you're using common sense in life, nothing changes. Correction is mandatory for success. Amen? Y'all got that? Totally. 2 Peter 3.18 says this. Peter uh, giving us some insight. <laughs> when, I, when we level up, you'll hear stuff like this, but Peter's going to talk about something that we all would go, Peter, why in the world didn't you act this way before? But he didn't have the revelation. But this is what we want to see. I want to see this. I want to see dumb Peter. I want to see big mouth Peter. I want to see Peter denying Jesus. I do. I want to see, and don't, don't look that way. Many of you don't outwardly deny it, but by your actions, you deny Jesus in a lot of ways. So don't, don't, don't go that way. But I want to see that. I want to see Jesus saying, no, you're not going to do that. I know better. I need to see Peter go through that. You know why? Because now I, need, now I get to see Peter say this. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are so many different things that Peter talks about that is 100% opposite of the Peter we knew before Jesus got hold of him after the resurrection. And Peter went through this transformation of renewing his mind. Once he got hold of this, and you can read it in the book of Acts, you see the transition because he was having a difficult time letting go with law and holding on to the new creation. He didn't, he, he had a, it wasn't simple for him. There were times he was getting this information, getting this information, and then he'd get around the, 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 the people that are still operating under the law, and he would submit to them and not stand for truth. That, this is the life of Peter. And then ultimately, you see Peter in this position of strength. So this didn't happen after a couple weeks or a couple months. This took some years, but the transition's very clear on where he is now. I need to see this. I need to see this, Peter, that is now saying we need to grow in grace. The word grow is an agricultural term. It's telling us that this process of walking with Jesus is a process of growth, but that knowledge and that grace and that information will slowly build and mature you. And that's what he's showing us in this. It's so important to see that. So important to see it. Okay, and let me give you five keys to help you stay on course. Five keys to help you stay on course. First key, clarify purpose. Clarify purpose. When we started this 40 days of prep, three things we were, we were wanting everybody to connect to. One, put God first. Number two, learn to speak correctly to yourself. Learn to communicate in a right way that'll build, not tear you down. The third thing was eat clean, eat right. Get rid of the things that are going to hurt your body. I'm telling you right now, and I'll continue to say this. You can get upset all you want, but sugar's not a good thing for you. I'm telling you, it's not good. It's bad. Now, does that mean we'll never, ever, ever have sugar in, in anything we know? But once you're aware of how much is going in your bodies right now, you don't, most people don't, don't read what's in this food. And I'm telling you right now, you're overindulging sugar all the time, and you don't even realize it. Why? Because you ain't, you're not looking at the ingredients. And I can tell you right now, most everything, most everything, even toothpaste, has sugar in it. Isn't this something? That, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just, I want to be aggressive with this because I want you healthy. And a lot of you, you just bury your head in the sand instead of wanting to hear this because what? It's an addiction and you just can't stand it. I don't do anything by legal or legality design. Actually, I abhor it. I hate it. What I look at is freedom. But I don't look at freedom until I have an overcoming attitude. Once I have an overcoming attitude, then I have the ability to do whatever I want in a right way. So in other words, if I have control over sugar, I can eat a cookie. You see what I'm saying? But the cookie will never control me. Now, am I bringing some peace in some of your lives? Because y'all saying, I can never have cheesecake ever again. Are, do you guys hear what I'm saying? I, there's no way in the world I'm telling you that. I, I didn't say, 
eliminate every bit of sugar and never taste sugar again. That, it, that's impossible. But what I am saying is have control. And some of you, you have to get violent against this stuff and eliminate it from you to where you might not even want to go back into this, you know, sugar la-la land. But there might be a time when you're eating some spaghetti sauce that has sugar in it. Most spaghetti sauce, by the way, does, just so you know that. Most ketchups, most salsas. If you don't read it, you're getting sugar in you. All right, enough with the sugar. But I'm just, I'm just trying to help you. Everybody understand this? I, I just want to help you. But the strength position is get to where you control, and then you can eat something. And then it's like, okay, I'm good. And by the way, when you clear something out of you, the taste amplifies. I mean, it's the craziest stuff. If I eat anything that's sugar-based, anything, a, a piece, if I taste it, it's extreme. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so, and I don't want to eat a lot because one bite like was like my overblown my senses. Has anybody ever been through that? Have you been through that? Okay, I was hoping it would be a few hands going up. You did good on the 40 days then, huh? All right, good job. But I mean, it does. It, it, it accentuates that. And it's like, whoa. But that's a good thing. Because I can just, okay, I'm done. Give me some meat. Give me something else. All right. Okay, so we've got to clarify purpose. And clarifying purpose, uh, um, Proverbs 2019, where there's no revelation, no vision, the people cast off restraint. This is what I want us to see. I'm not doing it because Ernesto's doing it. I didn't do the 40-day prep because Pastor Lau chose to do it. I did it because I believed it was the right thing for me to do. Do not diet. Do not go on a health kick. Do not do any of this stuff because someone else. You will never fulfill the need for change by doing that. You have to own it. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it for me. That is the way to have vision in a single mode picture. There's no other influences in my life. I know this is what I have to do. And the things I've chosen to do that way, I am not in a legal position. In other words, I now don't command my wife. I don't command my kids to do what I personally believe is the right thing. Why? Because everything has to process through seasons. That's it, seasons. And when you understand that, you understand the, the value of growth and the ability for people to see the process of change in your life. That's how you produce change. If they don't see change, why would they want to do anything you're doing? That's what parents are like. They just want to, do, 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 and the kids are looking at them going, are you kidding me? You want me to talk nice and you go home trash pastor the moment you get home. Oh yeah, I'm talking to someone, huh? Not that I care. I mean, honestly, I don't care, but it's bad on you. It's bad on you. It makes you look bad. But it's, it, 
it doesn't bother me one bit. You, I know some of you would hope that it would influence me, but man, it only influenced me a tiny. I mean, I, I got rid of that a long, long time ago. After like about the hundred times in the first couple of years, I figured I got to get over this. But no, it doesn't because I, I really don't care what you think. And I don't say that mean, it's honest. I don't have a fear of man or woman. So if you're thinking that being mad at me or, you know, angry or whatever, I don't know why you would. All I'm doing is up here giving you life. But some people, religion, it's like, how could you get mad at Jesus? You ever thought about that? Honestly, could you honestly look and go, oh, no, see what he did? He's an evil guy. Anybody in here, can you, can you look at Jesus anyway and say that? Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, all religion did that. So I know people are very religious when they talk trash. Religion. It's an evil thing. Remember what Jesus uh, tagline to religious people? Children of the devil. We allow it as acceptable. Oh, you're just sharing your feelings about. No, you, we should be looking at people like, get that devil out of you. That ain't a God thing. It isn't a God thing. But we accept and we allow so many things, and then we want to know, why aren't things good? These are how you fix things, amen? These are how you fix things. So we've got to clarify purpose. Uh, another thing Habakkuk says, write it down. Write the vision down. Write, what do you want to accomplish? This is, I, I explained this, I, one of the days of the days I talked about, you know, in the morning times, I was trying to help people understand something. I, I, I gave you a 20-minute window. I said, 20 minutes, spend 20 minutes with God, you know, spend 20 minutes exercise. It was just something to have a picture of accomplishment. Most people, I already know this, most people, you weren't doing 20 minutes. Now, either you felt like, oh, I screwed up, I only reached 15, I'm a loser, or you were just like going, you know, 20 minutes too long. Whatever the case may be. But I did explain to you, I'm not looking, I'm, my expectation has zero to do with 20 minutes. My expectation was you spend the first day, time of your day with God, period. Whatever that, I don't care about time. I just did that to get something where people are looking at going, I need to do this because you have to overcome the lack of doing something with this position of, I need to accomplish this. And the reason why you do that is because that's what creates a habit. And the reason why the 40 days, if you follow through with this 40 days, I guarantee you, you've already changed a lot in your life already. It's, it's not kind of, it's done. You passed already the habit creating moment. Now, does, does that mean you'll ne you can never go back? No, anybody can go back to anything they want. That's the life of freedom we have. But I'm, what I'm saying, though, is you don't have that old habit of not wanting to. It's the first thing you want to do now is spend time with God. First thing, if you went to 40 days, first thing you want to do is start talking to God. It, it's, a, it's my life. It's what I do. First thing. It just, it's just me now. It's my habit. And it's been that way for a long, long time, many, many years. The second thing is, is review the drive. Review your drive. Okay, so you create the picture of this is what I want to change, this is what I want to fix, this is, this is what I want to be. Next thing is 
review the drive. In other words, you start something, you go through day one, day two, day three, day four. Now there's a process that demands reviewing. And the ability to review is so important. That could be, listen, it can be daily. My thing is, is a process of like a week. You know, every week you can look back and say, review your, your, your drive, review the, the direction you're going. And by reviewing, you're looking and seeing what areas did I stumble in? What area was I faltering? What area did I make a wrong turn? Got back on. What are these areas? By doing that, you're looking at that, not in the negative of failure. You're looking at it, the ability to grow. Well, because I only use one alarm, I'm going to use two alarms this time. And you're just reviewing, going, okay, if I just did this, or if I didn't go to lunch with this person, because they're on the same page with me right now, and they want to, they want, you know, they want banana splits, they want all that. And that's not, that's not what you want right now, you know, in, in your process of change. And so you take review, amen? You take review. You got to stay on course. Have you deviated? Look at it. Okay, did I deviate? Well, yeah, I sort of deviated in this area. Well, then get back on course. Do you see what I'm saying? So reviewing, it, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Review. Take review, not for the negative. Review for the positive. Review, not for the negative. Review for the positive. Y'all hear me? All right. If you go off one degree in travel, one degree, watch this. After 100 yards, one degree off travel, 100 yards, you're off by 5.2 feet. That's not huge, but you're off. After a mile, you'll be off by 92 feet. In other words, it's starting to make a difference. But it started with one degree. You see what I'm saying? It started by just one degree. So you're going in this direction, but one degree, the longer you go on that one degree, the further and further away you get from your point. If you travel from Phoenix to LA, by that one degree, you'll be off by six miles. So the degree now is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If you go Phoenix to Orlando, you're going to be almost 43 miles away from your target. So if you're wanting to go to Walt Disney World and you're off a degree, you're going to be 43 miles from the place you want to be. Do you see what I'm saying? How to start? One degree. That wasn't fixed. Why are you looking at the 20, 30, 60 feet? Look at the degree. It's that little degree that you go, okay, review, fix, all right? That's why I say review is so important. We're not waiting to the end result of 40 days and look back and go, yeah, I quit in day two. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we want to review. Number three, third key, let it go. Number third key is let it go. When you, you have to be able to turn around. Paul said, forget those things in the past. He says, I press, I'm moving forward, but I got to forget the things in the past. I've got to let it go. Are you guys hearing? I've got to let it go. When we look at Paul's life, 
he makes this statement in Philippians 3.13. He says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I do not count myself to have apprehended. You know what? Remember we talked about that, logizomai, and, it, and it's an a accounting term? When you look at that terminology, actually, when you look at the, what I just saw, talked about review, that accounting term literally means you take, the, you take the paper of what you're wanting to accomplish, and then you take the paper of what you've done. So there's what you want to accomplish, there's where you want to go in life, what you want to see change, and then you look over the review of what actually has taken place. And that's what he's saying in that scripture. He's taken account, and that's tied to the review, and then he says, and I notice some of these things don't jive. In other words, what I want to be I'm not completing yet, so this is what I do. I forget the past, and I press in. What's he? He's fixing a degree. He's fixing an issue. He's recognizing, hey, I'm a little bit off right here. Let me just turn it back in, and we'll be right on. Do you guys see this? So you've got to be able to let go. You're, I started this whole thing off with, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to blow it. You're going to get up in the middle of the night and eat that cookie when you know it shouldn't have been in there in the first place. Right? So you get off and what do you do? I'm telling you what happens. Most people go, I'm done. It's over. They quit. What do we do? Oh, I reviewed. I already know. I'm getting back on track, though. I got to be cautious on the late night walk arounds near the kitchen. You just, whatever you need to do, right? Let it go. Amen. Let it go. Psalms 32, five says this. Oh, I love this scripture. I acknowledge my sin, my failure to do. And you forgave me so quick. He says, I acknowledge it. I didn't try to hide it. I acknowledged it, and you forgave me. That's how quick God is. You acknowledge, man, I'm off. I did wrong. I blew it right here. I shouldn't have done that. I should have kept my cool. I should have not ate that. I shouldn't talk this way, right? So what are you doing? Getting back on track, getting back on track, and staying on track. So we've got to be able to let it go, amen? Ephesians 32, 4.32, and please hear this one but I'm going to make it deeper than what it sounds. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgiven you. What does it say here? Now, this is the, now reading definition is this. This is, I, I'm, I'm going to help you right now. Reading definition is this. Be kind and passionate to everyone, right? Forgiving everyone as Christ has forgiven and has compassion for me. Okay, now that's reading definition. Level up definition is paying attention to what we just read. 
So it says, I'm to what? Forgive and have compassion toward y'all. As Jesus, now, now scripture, this is what it says, as Jesus has forgiven and had compassion on them? No, it says on you. What is that saying? It's saying, if I can't forgive and have compassion for me, I can't forgive and have compassion for them. The only way that I'm going to fulfill this scripture is to always remember that Jesus forgave me. And if I will remember that, I can forgive myself. Can you forgive you? Because I can tell you right now, you can't forgive or have compassion other people if you hate yourself, if you're mad at yourself. You can't. Jesus loves you. He has compassion for you, and he has forgiven you. Y'all got that? All right. Hey. Whoops. I shouldn't be here. Recalculate and get back on track. Recalculate, okay? Number four, watch for roadblocks. Roadblocks or, uh, or diversions, Okay, you all been driving. Everybody's drives and, and come to the place where they're working on the streets, which we love in this city to work on streets and no one work. But they love putting up signs, traffic, traffic cones, traffic things, and there ain't no one working. And they'll keep it up for weeks. And you're like going, is anybody going to work on this thing? I mean, it's like city just, ah. but... I forgive them. All right. Not. All right. But the point is, is you have this, this life where you're going and there's going to be a roadblock. There's going to place a diversion. So it's going to happen. So what do we do? Well, do we all just stop the car and go, I guess we can't go to Magic Mountain this year. I just, we can't go to the zoo. I guess we can't go to the mall. I guess we can't go to the grocery store because there's a roadblock. Is that what we do? Do we stop life? Do we quit? No, no one in here does that. You recognize, well, we got to go this way. There's going to be times when you're going to get a diversion. There's going to be times when there's a roadblock. But you don't quit, right? We don't quit. We continue to move forward, amen? We continue to move forward. When a roadblock in life or diversion it requires something. What's causing the roadblock? What's causing the diversion? Three choices. People, places, or things. You have to take inventory of your life. You have to look at your life and say, is this causing a diversion or roadblock? And you have to make a change. You have to fix it. You have to do whatever it takes to keep on your journey of success. Because if you've got this person that always brings a roadblock in your life or always brings diversion, you, you're going to end up in that wreck that they're in. You're going to end up in the problem that they're in. So you have to learn how to move around it, 
how to get around it. And sometimes it's, you know, spending less time. Sometimes it's eliminating. Sometimes it's getting rid of something, you know, changing something. I tell guys, you know, you, you want to put that computer in some dark room where you can lock the door and hide and you want help from pornography, put that thing in the front room. You won't be doing that. You, what, you're going to, you know, get in the front room where your kids are getting up and stuff? No. Don't be stupid. Use wisdom. If you're having a problem, if you're having a difficulty, this is how you fix it. Or what you would do to your own kids, take the door off the wall. Whatever, I'm just trying to help some of you. Do what you need to do. We want success, right? We want to overcome, right? If you don't have a running mentality like Joseph, you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. Joseph's heart was sweet, nice. It was all about God. And, and his boss's wife was hot on him. I mean, her whole mindset was, is, I got to have sex with this guy. That was her mindset. And what did he do? He was not about to just hang out and wait around and talk her down. The Bible says that when she grabbed hold of him and said, you have sex with him now, the dude, she was holding on to his, his clothes. He literally ripped his robe off and ran out. He's probably running out naked of that house. <laughs> Serious. But, but you, that's how aggressive you have to be to fight for its right. Are you guys listening? All right. So we got to watch for roadblocks, watch for diversions. Listen, change must happen everywhere that's needed. Wherever's needed, okay? Like I said, you have to define change by what's available. It's not like you're going to go, oh, I got to get rid of my wife or my husband because that's the change I need. That's not, you're, you can't violate scripture like that. And with that attitude, it's probably your problem. You're the problem. Are you guys hearing? You have ears to hear. I'm telling you, you can't be that way. Yeah, yeah. All right. Number five. Get back on track. Get back on track. Proverbs 28, 26 says this. Those who trust their own insights are foolish. But anyone who walks in wisdom is safe, will have deliverance. You want to get back on track? Do not trust your feelings or your perception. Look to the word of God. Colossians says, walk in wisdom. God says in James, if anyone is lacking wisdom, ask of me. Ask of me. And I'm not going to look down. I've got more than enough. I've got everything available to you. And I will not get angry about this situation. That's what God said. He said, ask me. I, I, ask me. I have joy and passion to help you in a time of need. That's the God we serve. Are you kidding me? This is so awesome. Think about it. You're going out living your life, whatever it is you're doing, and you have a complication, and this Bible God, this religious, no, this God that's real about life goes, you got an issue? Ask me. And then all of a sudden you start asking, well, God, I have a problem with this equation over here, and God's going to go, well, that's not scriptural. 
No, that's your religious friend saying that. God's like going, man, I'm glad you asked me about this because I got some insight. God knows everything. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, God's already the perfect one about whatever it is you're dealing with. And he knows tomorrow, which helps in any problem. So you ask him, ask God, and he will give to you wisdom. People ask me, well, how does that work? It's, it works, but I can't tell you like it's instant, though it has been. And sometimes it takes a little time. Sometimes it takes longer. But I know for a fact, because of this is what I do, it's going to come. I know it will come. I know. And if for some reason it doesn't, it's because I'm doing something to affect that. In other words, I'm asking for wisdom and I'm getting in his way. I'm asking for wisdom and I continue to try to figure it out on my own. No, I, I sit back. When I go to God and say, I need wisdom in this situation, I know it'll come. I know for a fact it's going to come. So for us to keep, stay back on track, to stay on track, we've got to avail, avail, avail ourselves to God. You don't think he wants you to have change? You don't think he wants this for your life? He wants every bit of it. God's a God about change. Everything about him is saying, we're going to fix this. You're going to grow. You're going to grow. You're going to grow. What does growing require? Change. Right? Growing requires change. And that's what God believes. And that's what I know. So what do we have to do? Clarify purpose. Review your drive weekly, even daily. Recalculate. Let stuff go. Watch for roadblocks. Watch for anything that can cause you to get off track. And number five, always get back on track. Amen? Hopefully this will help you. I know it helped me. And I know it's can continue to help me. Because what I, what I know for a fact is, is tomorrow comes. Monday's going to be here. And I need this in operation. Because I want to continue to have change. I want to continue to have what God has designed me to have, and that is abundant life. You fill in the blanks of what you need concerning abundant life. If it's health, abundant life. If it's wisdom, abundant life. If it's job opportunity or job function, abundant life. If it's marriage, abundant life. If it's relationships, abundant life. Abundant life connected to anything is successful life. Do you guys see this? successful life. And that's what we believe here at Love Life. We ain't doing religion. We do life. Amen. So let's level up together. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that your word is true. And we receive the instruction and the information this morning. Our, our, our ears here and our hearts have prepared for this. So we now will grow and mature because of it. We desire to operate in change that will continue on. So we make the confession that we will not stop. We will not quit. And we will do whatever's necessary to stay on track. And we will do whatever's necessary to get back on track. Because the truth of the matter is, is your way is the only way. And that's what we believe and that's what we expect for our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. All right, you guys love you guys. You're awesome. Have a wonderful day today.
again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you. Thank you.